Psychomedy is brought to you by ThreadUp, Manchester-based therapy that supports creativity. I'm Rafaela Nunes, the founder of ThreadUp and the counsellor supporting the creative community. Comedians and creatives in general can experience anxiety, depression, low moods, and this in turn can affect their creativity. One-to-one counselling can facilitate a safe space for creatives to explore any difficulties, to gain self-awareness, to develop strategies that work, and ultimately to create choices that are aligned with the natural creative flow. If you're in need of support, then please get in touch. Visit threadup.co.uk to book your counselling sessions at reduced rates when you quote Psychomedy. Comedy. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology, first class honours from Bristol University, a degree I've almost entirely forgotten, but gives a tiny bit of credibility to me discussing the psychology of stand-up comedy with today's very special guest. The comedian actor and extraordinary individual, it's Eric Lampere. Hey man, how are you? Good. Tell you what, I did not know that you had a Bachelor in Science. <laughs> Nobody does. I should shout about it more often. That, that's amazing. Now, now I'm like, I was excited to do this podcast anyway. And now I'm, I'm already captivated by everything <laughs> that you're about to ask me. <laughs> I'm so excited. Excellent. Well, I'm excited. I'm, I am really excited about this um, because, as I said to you just before we started rolling, we're going to try and keep it to 40 minutes. But I feel <laughs> there is going to be five or six 40-minute episodes in you, yes. possibly. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in my brain uh, <laughs> that, I've, that I've a- I have access to now, Yeah, which is fun. Great. Well, yeah. we're going we're gonna to dive right in. Let's um, do it. As usual, in psychology, just to explain, we're not looking at each other for the duration of the interview. Have you done any psychoanalysis? Have you done any psychoanalysis like this when you haven't looked at the um, psychologist in the eye? I guess so. I did, uh, I did hypnotherapy. Well, actually, you know what? Both therapies I did. I did CBT. Oh. And uh, that, I did that when I was like in my mid-20s. Right. And I had no confidence that I think when I actually genuinely shared some of the things I was struggling with, you know, I'd always look away. So, yeah, just because mm. I looked in the sort of general area of the face, I wasn't confident enough to just look in someone's eyes. Because you're really looking at them there, and, and they're really looking at you. Mm. Well, if you're just kind of looking elsewhere, you know, it's as if they're not there, mm. right? Well, you've answered your own question, really, in terms of it's just uh, the main reason, I think, is you just free associate more. And if you're looking at someone in the eye at any time, it's, it adds an extra level of complication, which you don't necessarily need in a conversation. And is this, is this for your benefit, or is this for comedians' benefit, the other comedians? What do you mean in terms of... Well, because I recently have actually found much joy in now looking people in the eyes. Mm. And not trying to make them feel uncomfortable, but it's the first time I can now look people in the eyes and actually be vulnerable and honest. Mm. But that's only because I did hypnotherapy and Mm. dealt with some some past memories that no longer troubled me. So I'm just free from this pain from the past that now I'm just always in the moment and so I love looking at people's eyes now that's why I'm challenged so this, is by a, it. so this is doing the opposite of what I wanted which is making you feel uncomfortable now. <laughs> <laughs> no but good right let's be in the moment of this uncomfortableness together well who knows we could change we could change it halfway through we could change it at any time I love the way we're not looking at each other in the eye even though we could I, could I like up, that. But I can look at you at any time, but I'm, I'm not. It feels kind of, um, if I may say, kind of sexy. You know, <laughs> That's just, what I'm looking for. We're also getting to know each other's consciousness. Because I've known you for a while, but I've not known you. Indeed. I've just known you from, from afar. Mm. Um, especially because one of your posters is a Back to the Future poster. <laughs> and that Back to the Future 2 is my favourite movie, I think, oh, of wow. all time. Nice. And so uh, uh, I've always seen you from afar, but this is the first time I get to know you. So in a way, yeah. I could fall in love with your consciousness, <laughs> couldn't I? Because I don't get to see you. I don't really know what you look like. <laughs> I haven't kept a 
good eye on you. <laughs> so you say recently you've been through some uh, some things in terms of, uh, and now you're able to look people in the in the eye. What what were those moments that uh, flipped that? Oh God, where do I start? I mean, um, maybe that's too maybe that's too big a question. No, to but start I with. I like it. I mean, it's well, it's, it's, it's actually going to be my Edinburgh show. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm doing two shows in Edinburgh, and one is before hypnotherapy, and one is after hypnotherapy. Right. To explain, uh, sorry, this might be going out after your Edinburgh shows. So, that's fine. But I'm sure you're doing doing those shows. I'll be continuing it after yeah. the, the, the festival. Yeah, great. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I went through a divorce, which is challenging. Mm. And so I... When was that? The, we decided to split up um, in July, July 2018. Yeah. And, uh, and it was challenging. It was, re- it was really hard because we honestly did love each other, but it just wasn't working. Yeah. And uh, and so I actually, I took the step to say, look, let's just get a divorce. Uh, however, she divorced me kind of in her head already. You know, <laughs> like she was kind of gone. But then, you know, and then you can go back even further. Why was she gone? Well, she felt alone. Why did she feel alone? Well, I was working too much. Why mm. was I working too much? We were poor. You know, like, so it was just all these causes and effect of dominoes mm. uh, that, you know, in a way we were doomed from the start which was uh, kind of t- tragic, but almost beautiful. And that's why I think, you know, we still very much love each other. So I did divorce, and then um, I realized that some of the things that she t- said about me that I didn't like to hear, she was right. She was totally right. And, and it was previous, even previous uh, girlfriends had mentioned a few things, you know, mainly me being distant and working hard. And I'd always excuse myself because I was homeless when I was from 15 to 19. And so the idea of, of being homeless again was terrifying. And so every action and behavior and thought I had was dictated by the fear of being homeless again, which stemmed from being abandoned by my parents oh. at 15. Uh, they separated. And after living in seven countries before the age of 12, uh, I was kind of exhausted. I was like, mm, I'm tired. I'm tired of traveling. At 15, I was like a, <laughs> like a, like a sailor. And just already, I'm sick of traveling. And also, I was quite independent. So I, I saw my parents in pain from this separation. I was like, hey, guys, you do you. <laughs> you guys do you. You take care of yourself. You know, I got this. Uh, but obviously, I didn't because I was 15. It's, it's amazing. At 15, I really was like, I am the best that I am right now. So I really thought I had my shit together. And then uh, now I'm 32 and I'm like, woo, he was a little boy. So, um, yes, it was interesting. So all of these negative behaviors that I had about myself, Mm. I used to excuse. I used to go, ah, you know, it's not good. It's not not good, but I understand why you've got it. Because you were challenged as a kid. Sure. And, uh, but it it was time to take responsibility, you know. I was like... Okay, three failed relationships. Maybe, maybe I'm the common denominator. And so, <laughs> uh, so I decided to sort of look into that. And uh, previous therapies didn't work, but hypnotherapy really did. Nice. That we're was gonna amazing. Come, we'll come on to that maybe later. Yeah. And already in that answer is the reason we're going to do six 40-minute episodes with you. Um, my goodness. Wow. I mean, where, where, where do, I just want to ask kind of specific things around I'll tell you what right let's let's break this down Eric let's uh, let's go back to homeless at 15 Ooh. so was that in this country was that in France and was that homeless as in homeless it was uh, homeless in this country in the yeah. UK uh, in Newmarket yeah and so my dad went back to Dubai to do some work he was a he was a jockey mm. so he went over there uh, like a metaphorical uh, geography for how he felt it was just a desert uh, no emotion uh, so he had to like he he went there to do some work and my mum went back to France with my sister who was like two I think at the time mm. and, uh, and, they, they, and they gave me the option that's another thing right yeah, they gave they... me the option to go with either dad or mum and I actually was just I didn't want to be like them yeah with, with, you know, without sounding mean to them I, I was observing them and I was going well you haven't got your shit together yeah, you know, I think I feel so. Um, so this was your choice. So it was actually my choice, and I was independent enough that they sort of let me. But also, 
by the age of 15, they already, they both had like a pretty wild journey. Hmm. So it wasn't, you know, out of the realms of possibility to leave their 15-year-old kid right. on, their, on his own journey kind of thing. And it's only now I'm grateful and thankful for that. But yeah, man, it took me 17 years to unravel the cause and effect, the ripple effect of that decision. You wanted to carry on schooling in this country. Yeah, yeah. And, and 15 was just when I was about to do my GCSE exams, right? Yeah. So if I was to leave now, it would fracture all the sort of hard work that I'd put in at mm. school. And also I had friends. I finally had like some friends at school because every time I moved, I was like, oh, fucking hell, new friends again. Yeah. Like I'm exhausted. It was, yeah. it was exhausting to constantly have to camouflage and evolve in different cultures and different languages and different smells and different people and it made me like versatile that's what i mean that's why maybe i love acting is that when i get into the skin of a new character i i really try and think why you know and i haven't done as much as i'd like in terms of acting but yeah. i that's definitely a skill and yeah. that i'm grateful for is that yeah, when it comes to body language and stuff i'm good at reading people because <laughs> i had to if only we were looking at each other in the eye. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're going to come back to a lot of this. Um, but can we move to stand-up comedy? For... Oh, wherever you like, we'll move wherever. <laughs> for a moment, at least. So you've been a stand-up comedian for uh, 10 years, 10 years or so? Uh, yeah, 11 now. Yeah. yeah. So as you say, you've done several Edinburghs. You've supported Eddie Izzard in English and French. And... Um, You've uh, done comedy all over the world. So, you know, I was listening to your album, Alien Extraordinary Ability, from uh, recorded in Wisconsin, which is brilliant. It was, it was definitely fun to record. It's really interesting as well that uh, it's pre-hypnotherapy. So you can really hear the anxiety. Like I'm high, I'm high energy and like I'm very, like you can just hear it. And uh, I listened to the album after hypnotherapy, I just wanted to see if I left any clues in there, just to see what like my subconscious was all about. And all I could hear is a lot of anxiety. And right. it's quite interesting that like, now I can play that character still. There's a, there's a joy in, in, in remembering what that was like. But mm. in my head, I'm actually not that anymore. And that feels pretty nice. Do you think the difference is more subtle than your you're hearing it because I went when I listened to that album I don't think that's so far away from how you are on stage now I guess on stage I'm taking more risks though so I'm I'm uh, every time I go on I it's different now yeah just because I'm trying to think outside the box I don't want to just be middle ground you know I want to yeah yeah I want to be like I want to try it so the, the show that you saw was definitely wilder <laughs> and and I allowed for like kind of scary elements. I wanted to play a little bit with fear because pleasure and pain and, you know, you know like a, a horror movie and a comedy, actually they do the same sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's set up punchline, it's build the tension and then jump scare, yeah. you know? And comedy, for personally, for me, good comedy is quite psychological and, and so is a good horror movie. Yeah. And so I'm, I guess I'm, guess I'm toying with that on stage. Well, let's go to that gig, shall we, now. So yeah. that was on Friday at the Camden Comedy Club. And um, yes, there, it was interesting you, you mentioned Scary and because, um, I don't know, um, it, was, it was brilliant. Uh, as you say, it was, you talk about kind of set-up punchline. Do you find that kind of comedy less interesting now then? I'm just, honestly, I'm just not as good a writer as some comics. Or maybe, uh, I, I much prefer telling a story. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm not all about the set of punchline. I'm not uh, into the one-liners. And I'm, I admire a lot some comedians. I just, oh, so good at writing jokes. But I think for me, what I'm good at is selling the joke. Yeah. Even if the joke is not necessarily as good. Uh, and sometimes it's about, like, what am I trying to say in 20 minutes? It might not be just a particular moment yeah. that like stands out. For me, it's like, what did you walk away from? And I even brushed on it, but I, did it. I didn't do it very well. I, was, I actually took a risk that night. Mm. Um, one that I actually didn't want to repeat. I, I walked away from that gig. I was talking to Paul Sweeney, the comedian. Yeah. And I said to him, I was like, 
you know what? I don't think I'll go that far again because I didn't enjoy it. With the audience member? Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But well, what happened was, and also this is something that I like doing, mm. is I, I yes and myself. Yeah. Well, right? should, we, should we have a listen to how this interaction yeah, came about? The first interaction with Claudia now, or at least part of it, from about one minute into the gig. You're going to remember me one day. Maybe it'll be in 10 years' time. Maybe it'll be in 20. But something will just be, oh my God, I remember this. I don't know why I'm going with this, by the way, sorry. I say whatever comes first in my head. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's brilliant. I haven't finished. I'm still here with you. That was a trick. When will I ever leave you? Do you think it's at the end of this gig? So, good questions. We're asking questions. Where are we? Well, she looks terrified. Good. Good, that's what I do. I choose one. I choose one and we eat her. We all hate her. And we say, let's keep the secret, yes? <laughs> okay. So did she look... Did she... It's so <laughs> creepy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> did she look terrified? Because I couldn't see her face through the whole gig. Well, uh, no, I think it was later on where okay. I, I gonna sensed... Okay, we're going to get Yeah, I sensed that. that I was so taking there she it was too just far. A bit. No, okay. that, that, was, that was fun. It was One silly. minute in, she was just a little bit, yeah. And I think also when I... When I jump in sometimes straight away, yep. I can tell people going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and personally, I really like that mm. because it's memorable. You know, it's like, what, what is happening here that's different? Yeah. You know, and I, again, I admire all comedians, but I personally don't want to just be like, hey, middle of the ground, here's some jokes, yep. some stuff. Person I don't personally want to do that. I want something different. Yeah, like and different sometimes fails, and di but fuck man, if you're not if you're not willing to take a risk as a performer, then what the fuck are you doing? Like personally, that is, yeah. you know, you know, and here like the the comic after me, I won't name him, <laughs> uh, but he said something that I found interesting. There was a joke that didn't land of his, mm. and he said, uh, uh, "Eric's my friend, but uh, that last gig was provocative." I was going to mention, that, and yeah. I found it interesting because. Um, even though he's right, he, he is right. I, I took a risk and it got creepy and weird. Mm. Um, firstly, uh, both comics before the break mentioned how the audience weren't very energetic. Yeah. So it wasn't new to highlight that this crowd maybe wasn't as top form as some people want them to be. Yeah. Uh, which is weird because you can never know what audiences will be like. Every audience is new and different. So you have to, you know mold yourself a little bit to them mm. while sticking to your own truth. Uh, I've been on stage before where the comic before died. You, don't, you do not come on as the next performer and go, well, that was shit. Mm. You, you're a team. We're a team. Indeed. That whole night is together. And, and I found it interesting that even though he was right, that I maybe did take it a little bit too far. Mm. It's your fucking responsibility, mate, to gain it back. <laughs> it, and and, and I, I just found that quite interesting that there, uh, he chose to put some blame on me for his current present performance. <laughs> and it's like, well, isn't that life to, to deal with the cause and effect of the things that are happening around and before you? Like, and uh, even though he's right, and I do love him, and he's a very good comic. I found it interesting that he chose to do that. Yeah. And I felt like that was actually his self-defense mechanism mm. to go, I'm not happy with that joke. I'll put a little bit of blame on someone else. Indeed. And that, my friend, is weakness. <laughs> it was an interesting moment. But also, your gig was good. So I... No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not unhappy with my gig. Yeah. There are elements to it that I'm happy with. There was yeah. some good bits of improv so he was that I was like, oh, lovely. He was picking on the... But also, being... I mean, you were there. Like, I did, <laughs> I did take some risks. Yeah, well, uh, we've, got, we've got a bit more of the interaction. So you actually go back to her six minutes in to kind of apologise for this opening <laughs> salvo. But in some ways, you might make it slightly worse with her. So let's have a li little listen to that. 
Just because even in the moment, I was like, don't snap out of the moment. You've, you're going with this, Eric. Improv is all about yes-anding. I'm yes-anding myself. I'm like, do the thing where it looks like you're about to kill her. And it really looked like actual fear. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm never going to do this again. But I'm in it now, so I've got to murder her. Right? <laughs> not, obviously not ever. But you never know. You never know. For the rest of your life, you'll always be like, oh, is he? Is he? <laughs> is he? <laughs> okay. Are you are you are you in control of what you're saying there, or is, are you just free associating? It, it, free associating. Yeah. Uh, okay. When I'm on stage, not all again, not always. Like the show that I'm working on yeah. is going to be actually quite scripted mm. uh, because I want to show people that I can create something that is very structured. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I get a lot of joy from just being present with them. Yeah, and and just and just being silly and being weird and and, and that was weird. Yeah. But I hope that there is enough intelligence in the crowd mm. to understand that there is a difference between the me on stage and the me in real life. Mm. Um, well, absolutely, and the la the laughter reflects that. That they wouldn't be laughing if it, it was genuinely uncomfortable for the well, audience. Well, she didn't laugh. She wasn't laughing. Oh, she, she, there were some laughs. There was moments where like, I got her because of like an actual joke or whatever. Mm. But the, the interaction, she just wasn't going with. And I could have learned to just go, she's not into it. I'll pick on someone else or something. <laughs> but for some reason, I was like, ah, I've got to finish this mission. But also, don't you find, have you ever been in an audience where the comedian hasn't realized you're a comedian or before you did comedy? I think a lot of interactions are like that. I was in a, an audience before I did comedy and Phil Nickel, who I, who I love, was on stage and then he started referring to me in the front row for no reason as the Italian paedophile. Oh, wow. Right? And <laughs> the whole audience was laughing. It was something and nothing. It was because I'd had a tan and probably <laughs> I was sitting there with a three-year-old I was going out with at the time. Right, right. But um, <laughs> the moment he, he, and he kept referring to it, it just ruined the gig for me because he kept referring to me as the Italian pedophile. So it right, may right, have right. been not that you were going too far. It may have been a lot of interactions. A lot of people don't. People come into gigs, don't they, and go, not the front row, not the front row, for that very reason. Yeah, they, yeah, don't, yeah. they don't like any interaction. So but I don't think defense, that's healthy. It may, it may not have, it, you know, it may, it, you know, it's for the listeners' um, view to, to, to their opinion whether yeah, you went yeah. too far or not, you know. Agre um, agreed. Um, and, you know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But because personally, I uh, think that people need to be challenged and mm. people need to just step out of their bubble and yeah. realise that there's some odd people out there <laughs> and there's some lovely people and there's some scary people. And, you know, like, just get out your bubble and... Uh, I find that being on stage, I always have the opportunity to say something that, you know, make people laugh. But if I can make people think about something somehow, yeah, you know, and maybe that wasn't that gig, but you know, the mm. although the David Attenborough thing, for example, I was, well, yeah. I was like, oh, that's actually a really sweet bit to actually. Let's explain. listen to that. Actually, let's listen to that yeah, because yeah. you. Um, you mentioned structure and what's beautiful about improvisation is when you get structure out of improvisation and it's magical. So this moment where you, um, we might not have the, the we, we not, might not have the bit of material actually because you, you might want to use that in, in well, future. Well, so we I'm definitely going to use but, it in the show, but yeah. I don't mind, I don't no, mind no, it's sharing fine. it. What, we, what we're going to play here is just the moment immediately, maybe immediately after that, or it, it does include some of, the, um, some of your impression, which is very good. Let's have a listen anyway. And because uh, I think it's rather beautiful, actually. So you're welcome. You just witnessed the birth of a thing coming out of a brain. Look at it. Look at it. In a way, it's ours, isn't it? Because this whole show kind of started with the connection that we made. And from then, the cause and effect was the birth of this idea that we've made. The David Attenborough documentary, remember? What a life we're living together. I wanted to kill you, and now we've made life. <laughs> I mean, that's a beautiful moment. That is a really incredible, lovely bit of improvisation. And I hope at that moment she laughed. Tell me she did. Oh, yeah, bit. I think she did. I think she did. <laughs> and I, think we, I think we had a nice connection. But Indeed. She, she definitely was looking at me as if to say, please move on to something else. <laughs> you know, that was the look she was giving me. Yeah. Uh, which she, should, she deserved. I, I should have just read that better. <laughs> yeah. Those moments uh, are magical, and as you say, if you can if you can form a stand-up set out of improvisation, and those moments happen, how wonderful, you know, to be in that room when something like that happens. So it was, 
it was great. And, and that's and why, yeah, and that's why I improvise because a lot on stage is because there'll be nuggets in there where I'll naturally be saying something, yeah. which is much better than how I would write it. Because yeah. sometimes I, I write things and then I'm like, oh, how would I perform it? And there's like, oh, is Eric a performance or is Eric a person? Yeah. Um, which is quite hard to get the difference as well mm. on stage. And so sometimes I write things and I go, oh, that's poetic and that's good. But then when you say it out loud, you're like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. It sounds forced. Yeah. So are those the moments you live for in terms of on stage? Definitely. I mean, nothing, yeah. honestly, when I'm on stage, I really try and make the audience remember that they are in a moment. Mm. Otherwise, just watch it on TV. You can yeah. watch comedy on TV. It's not the same. When you're there with them and, and I make them feel like anything could happen, there's a frisson in the air. Mm. Right? There's a, an excitement uh, because they, they don't know what to expect. Yeah. So there's one more clip from this gig at the end. You round it off by asking a question, which I think is quite interesting. Let's have a listen to that. Time goes by. She's totally freaked out to the point where she's come out of the, like, she's broken her own fourth wall and spoken to her boyfriend going, she, he really is freaking me out. And I'm now going, fuck, I, this is quite freaky. But I am, then I'm going, but this is a performance. I'm not actually that mad. Or am I? And that's the fun thing. You never know what's a performance and what's not. Aren't we all really performing in everyday life? Are you really being yourself? <laughs> so you touched upon that um, a while back. And normally I would, normally I would, from any other comic, I would kind of ignore this in terms of, is this a performance? Well, of course it is. Of course it's a performance. But yeah. is it? <laughs> however, however, with you, maybe it's just like, yeah, the, more than... <laughs> <laughs> I love the bit, like, since, honestly, people have started to worry about me. No, no, but, I, no, 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 no I, I'm just letting you know that other people yeah. in my life have gone, is Eric okay? Is he all right? But I'm actually genuinely very, very happy. Yeah. But I I'm quite wild. Yeah. I I'm untethered, I feel. Yeah. I totally believe you're happy, and we, we'll touch upon the hypnosis, because I think that's a big thing that you've had recently in terms of your, in terms of your psychological happiness. But, um, you know, you... <laughs> You, by your own admission, in your sets, you suffer from anxiety, or you have done, and mm. and voices in your voices in your head. This is this is why I say I, I would only ask this question maybe of you. Is some of those darker things you're saying? Do you think they're in any way? And you can just say no, absolutely not. Of course not. Ridiculous. Uh, do you think they're a real part of you, or is it oh, yeah, a total totally. performance? Totally. I mean, surely we both have, we all have good and bad in us. Mm. And to pretend like we don't is you pretending that you're not human. Yeah. And we all have varying degrees of it, you know, depending on the life that you've had, certainly in the first 25 years of your life, right? That's how long it takes for a prefrontal cortex to develop, yeah. right? Which is the sort of control panel to a brain. So um, depending on what you've had in the first 25 years of your life will dictate how you think and behave and certainly what you've learned from your parents or your guardians. Yeah. And so... Uh, when anxiety kicked in, uh, which was when I was homeless, where every day was about survival. Fuck, man. Mm. Like, I had to constantly be thinking about the next meal, the next thing, the next thing. That I then became quite good at, you know, predicting what would happen tomorrow, what was going to happen in a week, in a month, in a, in a mm. year. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, anxiety takes over and you start thinking about the future in a way that's, like, not healthy. And because you're not healthy now and you know, depression kicks in, like, depression kicked in at university when... I was meeting new people and, uh, and you know, they would be like, oh, so tell me your story, you know, and everyone's story was like, so I was born from here and then I came to university, <laughs> you know, but mine was like, oh, there's that, that, and then my parents left, the, you know, homeless and stuff. And everyone was like, oh my God, oh, so sad. And, and I never thought, I never saw it as sad. I never saw myself as a victim until at university where everyone was like, no, but you should be a victim. Your parents shouldn't have done that. Like, and so all of a sudden, like, and when depression kicks in and when you think that someone else is to blame for your life, you start blaming everything. And then that's mm. quite dark. And the reason that's quite dark is because then you blame other people. And then other people become a target. And they become a target of how you feel inside. And so, you know, you very much project how you feel inside onto other people. And uh, therefore... 
depending on your mental state, you know, it will vary how you think. And so, you know, did I have a death wish in my 20s and stuff? Maybe, you know, I learned how to do you know, ride a motorbike and I went skydiving and I did some amazing things thanks to this death wish. Mm. But the idea of dying, I was like, bring it, you know, bring it on. But it wasn't in a nice way. Like now I have no fear of death, but I don't want to die. But before, maybe there was a part of me that just wanted to die. I don't know. And so... Do you think, do you think that or do you think you're, you were looking for excitement in those moments? Because well, I think both, to, right? to skydive and that's kind of maybe common with stand-ups that they're looking for that excitement and they can't get excitement from normal life. Do you think that was genuinely a death wish? Uh, yes, yeah, I think so. But but I think I think death can come in different ways. Yeah, right. So I, after hypnotherapy, I had something called, what they think is called ego death. I, what I went to bed after, um, you know, so I had like a week long sort of manic episode, mm. which was hands down the best experience of my life, because it was, what people would compare to like meeting God or enlightenment or whatever it was, it was amazing. And then like Icarus, I got too close to the sun and I crashed hard, so hard, that I woke up, didn't know who I was, didn't know my name, I didn't know uh, the apartment that I was living in for three years, I didn't recognize anything. I woke up and it felt like the sort of cinematic intro to a video game had just finished Hmm. And I am now in control of this video game and I had to work out who I am and what my purpose is in this video game and I I looked at my hands. I remember looking at my hands and I, I moved them around and I was like, okay So I'm in control of this body. I am in control of this body and if it was and since then I mean since that day uh, that rebirth if you like um, if it feels like the old me has died and even though it, the body hasn't died, oh. um, I'm a very different person. Uh, to the point where, you know, I have to write a journal every day because I'm still discovering who I am. Uh, which wow. is odd and it's exciting. Oh. Um, so this, when, did, when did this happen, this, this episode? So uh, 1st of January was when I completed hypnotherapy, yeah. coincidentally. So obviously that went to my head. And then... Um, 17th of March was when I was taken to hospital. I felt good. They did a drug test. There was no drugs. They did a CAT scan. Nothing wrong with my brain. I was perfectly healthy, which again, went on my head. I was like, wow, I, I got to the heights of like a week-long euphoric state without drugs. It was amazing. And uh, because I felt so good, I escaped the hospital <laughs> and uh, started walking around Los Angeles trying to heal people. Um, like, because obviously I, I had no control. That was the thing that was missing. I, it's the opposite of depression. Yeah. When you're depressed, you don't have real control over your actions in terms of you're not really looking out for your best interest because you're depressed, mm. right? Same thing with mania. Oh my God, it was good. Oh, and you put the this best thing ever, but I wasn't in control. <laughs> but you put this down to the hypnosis, despite the gap, 1st of January, you stopped hypnosis, and then this happened on the 17th of March, you put this down to the So, yeah, yeah, totally. So what happened was uh, anxiety and depression were, you know, a big part of my identity uh, and my thoughts and my behaviours. And so, you know, it was like being in an abusive relationship. I didn't want anxiety and depression, but I knew them. Yeah. They took care of me. And... Uh, but I, I wanted to change because I was exhausted. I'm so, fuck, I was so exhausted of constantly thinking about everything all the fucking time. Never just appreciating a moment of like looking at a tree. If I looked up at a tree, yeah, but what about bills? And be careful not to be homeless again. Have you thought of killing yourself? Fucking hell, shut, shut up. Mm. <laughs> so I did hypnotherapy. And after eight weeks worth of, of treatment, uh, and dealing with sort of three negative, well, not negative, I needed them to b make me who I am today, but three really challenging moments in my life. Uh, I came out of hypnotherapy a different person. Like I had a different voice in my head. One mm. that was supportive and kind. Morning, ugh, ugh, who are you? Get out of my bed. <laughs> Morning, have a lovely day. <laughs> it was creepy. It was creepy and disgusting and gross, and I hated it. Uh, and I said to my friend, he's a neuroscientist, my best mate, Jack, and I was like, 
uh, mate, I, uh, I feel good every day. It's freaking me out. And he's like, oh, okay. I was like, what do I do? <laughs> like, well, just, isn't that the point of therapy to feel good? <laughs> well, oh, yeah. And so I embraced it. I embraced feeling good. And what happened was that just every single day I felt a little bit better. Mm. And I just couldn't believe that you could feel good. I couldn't believe it. Every day, feeling good. No, this is insane. <laughs> and so I was, I was genuinely just going, no way. Is this what life could feel like without anxiety and depression? I was so astounded by how good, good feels, that I was like, oh, well, I've got to make other people feel good. So all of a sudden I went out of my way to make other people feel good. And, ah, oh, isn't that nice to make other people feel good? I can't believe it. Like, who would have thought that being nice was lovely? <laughs> so I was, so that was going to my head. And while all of that was happening, I was also, you know, getting on with other things that were all of a sudden talking to me. Hmm, is this talking to me? Or is it because I've got such a fertile brain that I am able to be brainwashed by the things that I read and the things that are around me in my environment? Mm. And so it was quite interesting that like, I was being overpowered by the sense of good and all of a sudden Eric was sort of a third person observing this new identity taken over. Yeah, because at, at the start of our conversation you, you kept mentioning this, uh, the issue was you were distant, you were working, mm. but I thought, oh no, the issues are far deeper than that. And of course, you've gone into them. Oh, you've gone into those yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah. And now, now you seem like you've had this wonderful rebirth and uh, what a chance of going back and maybe making amends for, for certain things. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to work out, like, I'm trying to work out some stuff that I'm ashamed of. Like, there was one thing. You know what? I've never said this out loud. So check this out for some honesty mm -hmm. and vulnerability that I am nervous to share. Mm -hmm. um, I kicked a hedgehog. I know it's such a simple, stupid thing, but I was 18, I was drunk, and I saw a hedgehog, I kicked it, and that has stayed with me yeah. forever. It's such a simple thing, but I remember as I did it, I was like, what am I doing? Mm. That is horrible. Yeah. And I did it, and it's only now I look back and I go, oh man, you were 18, you were drinking your pain away, you were in pain, Yeah. and you just... You were taking it out on the world around you. And I know it's such a, it's such a simple thing. It's a hedgehog. But, but, ah, oh, and a so poor now. Poor hedgehog. Like, poor hedgehog. And so now. Where is he now? I don't know where he is. And I hope he's okay. Uh, or she's okay. But, um, but now, for example, I don't know when. But I do want to, like, maybe do something good for hedgehogs. Yeah, I, I know it's so stupid. Or at least, at the very least, nature. Like, I'm yeah. into nature now. Um, trees and, and the wind yeah. and oh clouds oh. but it's not stupid you know you you get you get to these points and you want to go back you want to make up for things so it's, yeah. it's it's great and it's great that you're talking with your family about this and also what was really interesting is understanding understanding that you, you said they made sacrifices the fact that they abandoned you but you're understanding that they made sacrifices for you and trying to understand what they did well it takes, a, it their takes past a while as though. well it takes a while Absolutely. to to not only be able to have the courage to, you know, open up about your own journey mm. and try to communicate that in a way that's not angry and not because if you are if you're projecting anger, no one wants to listen to anger. It's it's chat it's hard. It is hard to listen to someone shouting at you or whatever. Yeah. So not only do you have to communicate it in a way that they'll understand, but when they reply, you have to understand what they're saying. Do they have all the tools to really communicate how they feel properly. It's quite challenging. I can now hear some adults, you know, just because they have the physical shape of an adult doesn't mean they're not children. Mm. And you, I start listening to people now. Mm. And I go, oh, what's, what's underneath? What's underneath your pain, you know? Yeah. I still, I'm sure I've still got some stuff to uncover. I know I have. Um, That's episode two. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh Absolutely, man. That's 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 yeah. that's beautiful. I mean, that's. Uh, do you? I mean, yeah, so beautiful. I don't want to talk about stand up immediately afterwards. I I started stand up because you know I, I was a bit of a class clown and I had a sort of you know physical body. I've got quite long limbs and I know how to use my face in a sort of grotesque way. And by grotesque, I don't mean ugly. I just mean the the original meaning of grotesque, which is you can manipulate it to sort of create any sort of face. Oh. And um, uh, so I started stand up, 
And then the stand-up is so wonderful. Oh, and it's exciting, and it's a, to get a whole crowd to laugh at the creations that are coming out of your brain. And if you can all laugh at the same time, we're all in the moment together at the same time. That is a wonderful feeling that I'll never be able to give up. I love stand-up. Yeah. But it was only recently, actually from hypnotherapy, that I was like, wait a minute. I started stand-up as a platform to get to the next level, which was acting. And I'll tell you what's really nice is, you know, a lot of actors will tell you that it's, it's hard to be funny, and it's nice that I've trained to be funny, and now I'm re-entering the world of acting, which is what was my original passion. Mm. So, so because of that, it's one of the reasons why on stage I do take more risks in terms of performance, and, and my Edinburgh show isn't just going to be stand-up, it's going to be theatre as well, mm. because that's what ultimately my main goal is. Great. Oh man, I wanted to talk about so much that we haven't talked about, I mean, God... Uh, and so much you've raised that I didn't know. You know, we but... could, we could hang out as friends. <laughs> like we can do this, not for the enjoyment of the listeners. Do we have to look at each other in the eye if we're friends? I want us to. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to mention, even just quickly, do you think drugs has any effect? Because you talk about taking a smoking weed every, every day in the past. Is that uh, no? So I didn't smoke that weed that much in the past. I actually okay. smoke it more now. Oh, okay. Uh, but I definitely drink. Yeah. Less. Like, in fact, I took two weeks off just then, just to just to see if I could do it. Yeah. And I think drugs, drugs and alcohol are really interesting. I can really stem the abuse from the age of fifteen, from when the root of my issues started, mm. uh, because they became an escape or a numbing of the pain. I, that's why I had to take two weeks off just to see. Wait a minute, do I have any control over this? Like, or am I just, <laughs> give me a pint now, I need a pint after such a hard week. And I think there's a balance because I had a pint yesterday and I really enjoyed it. But it was nice, it was just to enjoy it. I enjoyed mm. the pint. Um, and it was challenging because there was a birthday party, we went clubbing. Turns out I can dance without booze and I can come out of my shell without booze. So at that moment I was like, good, I actually don't need the booze. I'm excited to get drunk one day. I haven't done it since really since hypnotherapy, but I'm excited to get really drunk <laughs> with my mates because I don't think there's anything wrong with that in yeah. an equilibrium sort of mindset. And same thing with drugs. Yeah, so I, you say more so now than in the past because obviously there's been numerous studies. I mean, mixed, mixed kind of studies uh, in terms of the results um, so in, saying that drugs have effect on things that you've mentioned such it's as very anxiety difficult. and suicidal thoughts and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I'm not a doctor. I, am, I only know my own experience. Mm. And one thing that I do know from experience is that you can read things in theory, but until you've experienced it, you don't actually know. Mm. Uh, you don't know. Like, like when doctors, you know, try to suggest that I was having delusions and that what I was seeing wasn't real, but even though I definitely experienced what I was seeing. Uh, I explained it to my friends like beer, right? Uh, uh, someone that, can, that knows all the ingredients of beer and knows how to make beer, right? They know everything about beer, the rich history of beer, all of the things that there is to know about beer. Until you've tasted it, until you've been drunk on it, you don't know everything about beer, right? <laughs> Uh, it's the neuroscience thing about colour, like there's a neuroscientist that's in a black and white room, she learns everything about the colour red, everything there is to know, the wavelength, all of that. Until she's seen red, she hasn't got everything, right? Mm. And so, uh, with drugs, I... If you are escaping something, drugs is not necessarily a great thing certainly if you abuse it and I've abused it there was moments where like you know after a breakup I uh, went to Bestival and I took way too many drugs like just way too many it wasn't it wasn't even fun mm. it was really destructive and that week oh my goodness I had a big bout of paranoia I, I was in a new place I was living in a factory with seven other people or something like that it was quite chaotic lifestyle and, uh, and I was convinced that they'd put cameras in my room. And the reason is as well is because it was just when I, I got a little taste of fame uh, for something that I wasn't proud of either. And, and clearly the, the public hated it. I had 
dozens of Facebook groups dedicated to how ugly I was and, and death threats just based on that one performance. Was this um, the advert? The, the, the advert, the commercial was uh, Up Your Viva. It yeah. was uh, for an MTV channel. You know, and if you typed an ugly man on Google, I was on page two and, and, and it was interesting. The way I handled it was, I'm ugly, fine. I sort of accepted it, I, I took it as truth. Why did I take it as truth? Why did I listen to people that are in pain and projecting their pain onto me? That was, why? Well, because I was naive. I was, I was still young. I, I didn't know anything about the world. You know, and you have to listen to teachers, right? So I, I listened to a whole country, thinking that a whole country knew what they were doing. No, they don't. They didn't. But I, uh, I took that on board and it really did play a lot with my body confidence and, and how embarrassed I was to look in the mirror. It yeah, was, so you've come out of homelessness and uh, your parents leaving you and then you get your big break and then the whole country is calling you ugly. Yeah, and it's so, been a rough ride. And so, yeah, pretty rough. Not and just so, for that hedgehog. And so, yeah, so the, I was that hedgehog. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was interesting and therefore drugs and, dr and alcohol was definitely a, a great way to escape. With this new me, I feel good. I don't want to escape anything anymore. I feel great exactly where I am all the time, mm. which is freaky. It's like a dream. I feel like I'm in a dream sometimes. Mm. I almost, I'm feeling very protective of you as we, as we are nearing the end of our time. You're saying you found you know, love in your heart and you're loving yourself recently. I'm, I, I, I kind of want to hold you back. <laughs> you're fine now, you're good. There's love in your life. You don't now need to go off and do these extreme drugs. Just no, that's to experience. true. No, ooh, but here's the difference. I don't need to. So <laughs> I'm not seeking it. Right now, I'm really enjoying uh, my sense of purpose. Mm. I both have a goal for myself that I have, like a distant goal. It's a mad one. It's a wild one, but it's not in the realms of impossibility. Uh, I'll say it out loud, actually. I'm not ashamed of it. I'd like to win an Oscar. And it might be writing, acting, or directing. I actually don't know yet, but I love cinema so much. Hmm. And what's beautiful about an Oscar is that you could be 60, you could be 70, you could be 80. Fuck, you could be 90, yeah. couldn't you? And so that is really fun. To just have a, something in real distant that, that would bring me, like, hey, well done, mate. Uh, and it, what's nice is that every day then I can concentrate on my dream, which is I can learn a monologue, I can learn an accent, I can do all of these things. Um, but also this sense of purpose that like, because I feel so good, I want to make other people feel good. Yeah. And so now I'm kind of just going with the flow, baby. Like, uh, you know, like anxiety made me think about tomorrow all the time. What's happening tomorrow? In a week? In a month? Yeah. Now I know that I can't predict any fucking thing. Like, I would never have predicted that I would have been divorced by the age of 32 after living in LA. In LA. Mm. You know, like I could never have predicted all of the things that happened to me. So I've stopped predicting. Uh, I don't worry about the past anymore because it doesn't cause me pain anymore. So yeah. I don't need to run away from the pain anymore. I feel good. So I'm not seeking the drug. But if the opportunity <laughs> arises itself where it feels right, where, you know, I'm with a friend and he's going, do you want some, do you want to try this drug? Is that all it takes? Maybe, but maybe I'll say no. Well, yeah. Maybe I'll say no. I don't, I don't know. Okay. I can't possibly know what the future holds. However, I will intend to do everything with love. If my friend clearly is doing it as a sort of escape, I'll be with him or her. Um, I might not do the drugs. I might. Yeah. But I certainly feel more in control. And as long as I keep a close eye on that, I think I'll be okay. Great. Lovely. Eric, I think we have reached the end of our time here. Thanks, man. This was um, fun. This is very therapeutic. I'm literally lying down on your sofa, <laughs> not looking at you as if I'm talking to God, maybe. Um, I mean, we've covered, we've covered so much. I mean, just to try and... Can we sum this up in 30 seconds? I don't think we can, but I think it all comes down to love. And I think that the fact that you're now loving yourself and in your other show this year, which I think is called Yum Yum, you, you know, you're talking about, yeah. as you said, spreading this love to other people. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that you've come out of this, my goodness, 10 books worth, 18 podcasts worth of stories. And, uh, and now this person, which if you don't mind me saying so, you're a very easy person to love right now. 
That's which is nice. Great. I'll tell you what, a lot of people have said that. And mm. what's really nice is a lot of people have been able to be honest with me about who I used to be <laughs> and me not listen to it in a defensive way because a lot of them say, I mean, you used to be an asshole, <laughs> and, and not, uh, not mean-spirited. Like, I think there was good in my heart, but I was uh, mistaken in how I handled it, and I had a massive ego. So uh, if, if <laughs> you got in my way, I, I sort of tried to push you aside, brush you aside, which was sad because mm. I was in pain. I wasn't handling it properly. What's great is I didn't know the old you, so it's like that <laughs> experiment where you've never seen the colour red. <laughs> Right, I haven't right, right. seen the old you, so I, I don't believe in it. I don't believe you're ever that person. But that hedgehog may say otherwise. Um, That's true. To summarise you as a comedian, I think you are a brilliant stand-up comedian. Please, uh, um, as I'm sure you will now, check out Eric's stuff online and in person at his various shows. Check out that alien of extraordinary ability. The old Eric, but uh, it's fantastic. And, um, yeah, as I say... You know, far more importantly, I just think you're a beautiful human being, and oh, uh, you've thanks, lived. Man. You lived. How do you know we're not looking at each other? <laughs> Maybe it's not about the body. What yeah. is that stuff online? I'm gonna, I'm gonna start arguing with it. From <laughs> up your viva. So um, <laughs> I like that. Also, up your viva. The thing that caused me so much pain means up your life. <laughs> oh. I think you should do that if that if that channel still exists. You gotta, you gotta turn it full circle. Do that with your parents holding a hedgehog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, Eric. That was uh, that was brilliant, and I'm glad we went over time. Um, thank you. Thanks for having me. That is our show for today. But join us again next week for more side comedy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify UK, or wherever you get your podcast. If you liked it, please give us a five star review. It helps other people to find us, and only psychopaths leave one star reviews. Psych comedy was written and presented by me, Nathan Cassidy, Bachelor of Science in Psychology and produced and edited by Mike Hansen, BA English, for Pod People Productions. Theme music by Mike as well. Follow us on social media at Pod People UK, at Psychomedy Pod, at Nathan Cassidy, at Hedgehog Kicker, at Eric <laughs> Lampere. Thank you very much, Eric. Thanks, mate. Lots of love to you, and see you all next Ball.